שלום, you're listening to On Israel, the Almonitor podcast. I'm Ben Kaspit in Tel Aviv. The conversation you're about to hear was recorded hours before our guest was about to fly to Manama, where he and other top officials will sign a joint declaration of principles between Israel and Bahrain. This is an interim step between the peace declaration signed month ago in Washington and a full peace agreement down the line. For now, the joint declaration is uh, not being defined as a full and final peace agreement, mostly because of domestic Bahraini opposition to normalization with Israel and the regime's desire to heed public sentiment. Nonetheless, the developments of recent months are nothing short of amazing. After decades of hostility and boycotts, followed by years of secret cooperation and even a passionate clandestine love affair, the relationship burst into the open and representatives of the Emirates, Bahrain and Israel sat alongside President Trump at the White House and signed the so-called Peace of Abraham Agreements. This historic event signals a new era for Israel in the Middle East, where it has been fighting for recognition since its founding. The peace with the Gulf states has crushed the paradigm that dominated relations in the Middle East, according to which Arab states would never normalize relations with the Jewish state as long as the Palestinian problem was not resolved. As things seem right now, Ramallah has become more isolated than Jerusalem, and Israel is being viewed as an asset rather than a burden uh, on the region. The Palestinian issue no longer dictates the agenda. Many Arab states have concluded that the time has come to move ahead with Israel rather than wait for the Palestinians who, in the immortal words of the late Abba Ibn, never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Today, we will discuss where this breakthrough is headed, whether the momentum depends on a Trump administration, and to what extent the Iranian threat and Sunni-Shiite struggle are shaping these developments. Our guest is the Director General of Israel's Foreign Ministry, Alon Ushpiz, who will board a plane for Bahrain right after our talk. Ushpiz is one of the most experienced diplomats in Israel's foreign service. He served as Israel's liaison with Congress in Washington and as ambassador to India, and held a variety of posts in other world capitals. He headed the ministry's political affairs directorate until Israel's new foreign minister, Gabi Ashkenazi, picked him for the top foreign service job earlier this year. Ambassador Ushpiz joins us right after this short break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading our monitor. Our Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. Our Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at almonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon Almonitor's outstanding reporting. 
And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. I'm very happy to say hello to the Director General of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Jerusalem, my colleague Alonu Spitz. Shalom, Alon. Shalom, Ben. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Let me ask you uh, this first question. If I had asked you a few years ago whether there is any chance of normalization and peace with key Gulf states, even while negotiations with the Palestinians are stuck and the two-state solution seems uh, farther than ever, could you have imagined such a scenario? I have to say that if I would have answered positively, it would have been very, very pretentious of me. But the beauty of what we're doing in the last, uh, I would say, two months, three months, is that it's a, it's a continuation of what we've been doing for 20 years. Um, and, and, and actually, it's like, it's like cultivating a very intimate and very um, tangible uh, set of relationship, and then uh, one morning, uh, both sides uh, decide to uh, to go up to the surface, and and suddenly uh, you have uh, something. Uh, you have a creature, a very shiny creature, on top of the on the on the on the surface of the water, which means that it is um, a continuation of, uh, of, a, of an effort of, of very long years. So, you know, I would be very careful in saying that a year ago I would have answered yes, definitely. But on the other hand, there is a natural flow of events with, uh, with political leadership and, and very effective um, uh, managing of, of relations for many years now. So I would, I would dare to say that I wouldn't have forecasted, it, and I don't think, uh, you know, I, I'm not in the business of, uh, of being a prophet, but I would say that uh, um, our actions and our vision brought us to where we are right now. And this, is, this does not apply only to me personally. I think this applies to not less than thousands of, of um, Emiratis and Bahrainis and Israelis, and I should stress this, Americans. This would have not happened without America. Okay, so uh, you just uh, mentioned uh, something that I wanted to ask about, and maybe I'll ask it this way. Is it possible to define the game changer, you just spoke about one morning, uh, all the partners woke up and decided it's about time. Is it really all about the Iranian threat and the Shiite Sunni uh, conflict, or, or is it you know a critical mass that was gathered uh, during the years? Can you can you tell me what was the game changer? I, I'm not sure that there is a game changer, and I, I don't believe in, in uh, countries and governments and societies and actually uh, individuals. I, not believe, I do not believe in them doing things for uh, one sole reason. There is all, always a cocktail of things, of, uh, of drivers, of engines, of vectors, of interests, of, of common vision. 
that, uh, that drives uh, societies and governments in countries. And I think in this specific case, uh, there is a very interesting combination. It's a, it's a, I would say it's a, it's a golden, uh, perfect storm. And I, I think we should, we should look at a couple of factors. Um, let, this, let me start with the, with the last uh, ingredient that I've just mentioned. This uh, couldn't have been possible without very uh, solid support and effective diplomacy uh, of, of this administration headed by, uh, obviously, by, by the president, by uh, uh, senior advisor Kushner, by secretary of state, and, and by their uh, staff members. Many of them invested not less than tens of thousands of hours in this venture. Secondly, yes, um, I think uh, both sides, meaning us and the Gulf countries, uh, did not start from zero. As I said, we, we are active in the Gulf. We, Israel, led by obviously the foreign ministry. We, we have been active in the Gulf for the last two decades which means that once we reached this point, we were very ripe uh, and we knew each other. One of the beauties of the, of the things that, uh, that happen now is that we, in some cases, we find ourselves conversing with, uh, with people that we've been chatting with them for the last, let's say, 10 years, and suddenly we are in the open. You know, one, I, I have to tell you a, a story about this. One of the most amazing things for me in, uh, in our visit to, um, to Abu Dhabi about a month ago, was when, uh, when the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the UAE took a deliberate decision together with our uh, public diplomacy people to bring Israeli press and Emirati press into the, room of the uh, rooms of negotiations. I mean, actually watching us negotiate things. I've never been in a setting like this. And, and, it, and this is just a, a thought about press and journalism. I think it's, it's, it's good to to take this occupation, this profession, occasionally to the, to the sign light. So, American administration, very long set of relationship, uh, a very strong desire, I would even say on the verge of hunger, to do good for, um, for our peoples and for the region. Um, and then there are issues of regional stability that you've just mentioned. Um, the, the Iranian uh, uh, threat and, and other uh, threats that, uh, that hang above our, uh, our region. Last but not least, and I think this is really important. Um, I think this is something that Israelis have to be very proud of. And I think Emiratis and Bahrainis have to be very proud of. Look at what we've achieved as, as societies, as countries. I, I learned a couple of weeks ago that uh, you have 400 banks in Bahrain. GDP per capita in Israel is, is, uh, is a very impressive number. We have become the, uh, the ultimate shrine of, uh, of innovation in R&D. Uh, these societies, these three countries, and, and many of our other partners in the, in the region, we represent a very impressive uh, wave of, uh, of human achievements. And once we combine all of this, and I think this is the last ingredient that brought us exactly to the place where, where we are. Once we combine all of this, we can do a lot of good. 
and it is expressed in what we discuss. You know, uh, uh, touching this point, uh, Israelis generally tend to patronize their partners and to say things like Arab money, you just spoke about uh, banks and the uh, Jewish genius is an excellent combination. Is there still room for such a, a condescending uh, attitude? The Emirates at least seem to regard us as equals. Well, I, I would say two things. If, if any Israeli uh, wants, to, uh, wants to treat our partners in the Gulf uh, in this way, I would say that this is, uh, forgive me for saying so, but I, I would say that this is uh, sheer stupidity. Um, this is a relation based on equality and on a huge amount of, uh, of talents on, on both sides, on free sides. The, the things that, uh, that UAE and Bahrain has achieved during their years of, of independence are very impressive things. We are very, I'll, I'll give you an example. We are very proud of, um, of our space industry. When, when we launch a satellite here, it becomes a, becomes a national holiday. It's a national event. That's exactly what, uh, what the Emirates are doing. And, and what they do in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the health sector is, is, uh, is not less than, uh, than mind-boggling. A uh, couple, uh, couple of days ago, I had a conversation with, um, with Bahraini business, businessmen that do, uh, that do agriculture. These people know what they're doing. So if, if there is any Israeli who wants to cultivate a set of relations with our, with our partners in the Gulf, and has, I would say, a twisted perception of, uh, of, of what uh, these relations are going to be based on, I would uh, warn him against such uh, unfounded uh, philosophies and, uh, and views, because I don't think it's realistic, it's not anchored in reality, and I don't think it would, uh, it would uh, bring him very far. These are talented people, um, very much educated, very effective in their approach to, uh, to life. And the most important thing in my mind, uh, they are very much uh, after deliverables. This is not for a chit chat. This is for creating tangible things together uh, for the sake of our peoples and for the sake of our region. So that's the first advice I will give any Israeli who wants to, uh, to approach this uh, new set of uh, official relationship. Israelis, uh, uh, Ambassador Rushpis, are used, as you know, to call maybe even freezing peace agreements, for example, with Egypt and Jordan. These days we are facing partners who are no less enthusiastic than we are. How do you explain the different attitude and emotions? Right now you, you told me about uh, suddenly doing things you, you are used to do uh, all these years in the darkness, and uh, here you're doing it in, in daylight. So actually, uh, please forgive me for saying so, you're, you're a mistress that became in one, in one night the legal wife. Uh, how can you explain the warmth if, that, that we feel from, uh, from uh, Manama and from Abu Dhabi, uh, uh, comparing to what we are doing and uh, dealing with Cairo and, and, and Amman, etc.? Well, without being dragged into marital affairs, um, let me say that 
there are a couple of components here that, that I find, uh, well, I should say mind-boggling. Um, a common vision, uh, a very uh, strong ability to, to, uh, to agree on uh, on set of priorities, uh, chemistry between uh, political leadership, and, and a very strong, uh, as I said, desire or hunger to, to deliver things to our people. But there is this fifth agreement that you've just uh, put your finger on, and, and, this, and this is probably one of the most amazing things that I've seen. Um, there is a totally different approach when it comes to the uh, to how how do you sh uh, uh, show this? How do you, how do you present showcases? How do you do flagships? How do you present this uh, to your public opinion? And and I, I I really need to share with you a couple of things. Let, let me start by saying that one of the most amazing things things that I've, uh, I've gone through during this experience of the last two months is that from, it's not from day one, it's from, from minute one, uh, we had a, a strategic messaging conversation between uh, our public diplomacy people in the, in the Israeli foreign ministry headed by, uh, by Ambassador Noam Katz and their counterparts in uh, the UAE and Bahrain. And, and this is really unprecedented. I've never seen something like this. They, they sit together and they, they have a very intimate conversation about how do we do things? That's, that's one thing. The, the other thing is um, the, the numbers that I see are not less than, uh, it, it's breathtaking. Uh, and, and I'm speaking about numbers on the, you know, on new media on the web. Um, this has started, uh, let's say, about the whole thing started about uh, uh, slightly more than between two to three months, and in our exposure to the to this thing to to uh, to Arab audience, mainly from the Gulf, but also from Iraq, uh, in the last two months, is unprecedented. We we have uh, more than uh, two hundred million exposures to Arabs. Uh, to citizens of countries of, of, of countries in the Gulf and uh, and, uh, and the vicinity of the Gulf, in only in September, we had about one hundred forty thousand uh, new followers of things that we put on the on the webs, on on our sites, and in some cases together with our uh, with our partners in uh, in the Emirates and in Bahrain. Um, by the way, the, the, the issue of uh, Iraqi ex exposure or our exposure to Iraqi followers is really, it's mind-boggling. Uh, it, it seems that this has been something that has, this is something that has been going on for, for a very long time now. But the, the numbers now are very impressive and they are a very good indicator that what people want to do here is to, to do things together. I, I'm not claiming that this is the, the new consensus in the Middle East. I've been doing this for too many years in order to, um, to, uh, to sugarcoat this in, in this way. But, but I think that the efforts and the number, the joint efforts and the numbers that we have, the figures themselves, think of it, more than 200 million people uh, are a very good indicator. Now, I think it is based, among other things, not only, but one of the main uh, factors that lead us to this is 
the fact that we have been interacting with each other for two decades. There are hundreds, hundreds, probably even thousands of Israeli businessmen that had something to do with the Gulf in the last two decades. People get to know each other. Uh, they've been cutting deals. Uh, they have been conversing for, uh, for many years. And now it has, as I said, it has gone from underwater to the surface with a, a much higher capability of, uh, of doing things together. But the willingness and the effectiveness of expose ourselves to the public together is a strategic asset. And I have never seen something like this before. And after you just mentioned these really unbelievable numbers uh, that I was not aware of, so I, I have to ask you, was, why has the process stalled? Uh, what about normalization with Sudan, Saudi Arabia, the Maghreb? A few uh, weeks or months ago, everyone was uh, talking about uh, it will happen very fast now. And I saw someone, I think, on Twitter saying that maybe because of the president's, President Trump's uh, illness, the, uh, the process slowed down. Uh, what do you think about the future? Well, the future is great, really. I mean, I, I've been doing this as, as an Israeli diplomat for, uh, I think, 28 or 29 years. Uh, when I entered the uh, uh, Israeli public service as an Israeli diplomat, um, we, uh, we, this was uh, you know, just when we uh, signed our peace treaty for, with, uh, with Jordan during the, the late uh, Rabin term. And, and look, we, we, you know, we, have, uh, we have used to have two peace treaties with, uh, with Egypt and Jordan. These are, um, I would say, strategic cornerstones of, of all thinking, all Israeli thinking on about security, foreign policy, and, and also economy. And now in the course of slightly more than a month, we have two additional peace treaties. My, my very good friend, uh, Ambassador Dermer, says it took us this and this years to, to reach uh, two peace agreements with uh, Egypt and Jordan. And then it took us slightly more than a month to sign additional two uh, peace treaties with, uh, or to reach peace treaties with, uh, with the UAE and Bahrain. So I would say that it's, it's uh, what you've just uh, asked and, and said is probably the number one e uh, engine of Israeli society because we are never satisfied and our biggest contribution to, uh, to human civilization is not being satisfied and keep pursuing uh, things. This is something that the late President Peres always used to say. But on the other hand, I think the other side of the coin is that we have to look at, at, at the things that we're achieving in the last three months and say, whoa, this is impressive. Now, would there be a third country or a fourth country or a fifth country? I cannot rule it out. And there is a fair chance that there will be. And I can tell you that the, the, uh, the American administration, the White House is tremendously active in doing these things. Really, they, they invest, as I said, uh, a huge amount of resources in, in the effort of bringing additional uh, uh, countries on board and uh, the Israeli government is very headed by the prime minister and his uh, strategic vision. They are very much uh, invested in this. And you know the names. My, my concern is that once I mention it, 
the, the probability for a third country or for this specific third country or fourth country to join uh, will will decrease. But I I think there is an ongoing effort to bring on board in other countries, and I think it's a very important uh, effort that should be uh, should continue. So my next question is a little delicate. We are not interfering in American uh, internal uh, politics, but we are all waiting uh, November 3rd. And do you think a, a change in the a possible change in the US administration, again, without interfering in their domestic affairs, even, uh, can have an effect on the normalization process? Okay, so let, let me actually start with something that is, is unrelated to, to the issue of our conversation. There is no, uh, there is no substitute to Israel-US relations. And I, I don't think that in my lifetime there will be a substitute. Uh, this is a strategic, uh, long-term, indispensable relationship for, for Israel on every dimension that one can, uh, can imagine. In, and the, the, the most essential part of, of this is the, the bipartisan nature of this. Um, and we are very grateful for the, uh, and I think all of us should be, really. Uh, we are very grateful for the, for the leadership and the willingness to, to invest uh, in, in, uh, in things that are tremendously important for, for the prosperity and security Uh, of the state of, of Israel and for the region coming from uh, coming from Washington coming from from the US administration coming from the White House and from the president but frankly speaking I don't think that uh, uh, that this uh, this um, specific thing that, you know, that we've been discussing for the last 20 minutes just like less than 20 minutes uh, is is going to, to to change I think it's a consensus issue in uh, in the US You see it in, uh, in the way that uh, the Beltway is dealing with it. You see it in the way that American press has been dealing with, with the issue of, uh, of uh, the growing relationship between Israel and the Gulf with the support of, uh, of Washington. And I don't, I don't think that there will be a change in the American approach uh, towards this issue, uh, whatever... Uh, the outcome of the elections of, on the 3rd of November is going to be. Uh, and I think that's the way we should, uh, we should deal with it. This, this is uh, American elections. American citizens vote for the administration in, and for Congress and for governors. And we deal with American administration, uh, Congress, and, um, uh, and the, the, the states. And we should very much respect this. I, uh, I just arrived we just arrived to my final question I wanted to ask wanted to ask you about your your new new minister of foreign affairs but uh, but I, I want to, to ask before something that I just realized that we are, we are chatting now or talking now for 20 25 minutes with the director general of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and we never mentioned yet the Palestinians can you do you think uh, all this process will have an effect? On the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the Palestinian track, maybe uh, someone in the other side will start to realize that the clock is not ticking uh, necessarily in the Palestinians' favor. So maybe it can have 
a good effect on the chances to, to reach something with our Palestinian partners. Well, Ben, you, you've, been feel, you've been following the issue of the, the Israel-Palestinian uh, relationship for, for decades now, and I have my modest share of, uh, of following and being active in, the, in this context. My, my very solid and, solid and sincere hope is that the Palestinians will understand that this can and should uh, play uh, for their benefit. Uh, normalization between Israel and, and our, our partners is, does not go against their, uh, their interest, quite, quite the opposite. This is the, the most important platform for, for turning this region into a much more stable, secure and prosperous region. And, and I would strongly urge them to take the, uh, this opportunity in their hands to understand that uh, all of us have to face reality. And, and the last years have changed the face of the region. People are much more interested in, uh, uh, in, in as I said, intangible uh, things. You know, we, we have talked for 25 minutes and the term COVID-19 or Corona was not raised even once. But if, if you and I will go now to the streets of Ramallah and, and will ask uh, the Palestinians or the men on the street or the women on the street, what, what's, what's their interest? What's their source of concern? What, what would they like to see? They would say health and prosperity. And, and I think this, uh, this desire and set of priorities is very much shared also in... Uh, also in Tel Aviv and in Haifa and even in Modin. <laughs> and and I, think, I think that's what all of us have to agree. This is about uh, doing things together that deliver things. It's not about uh, keep fighting and, and pushing aside the, 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 what's, what's, uh, what we used to call the fruits of peace. And I'm very hopeful that uh, that this uh, set of uh, uh, peace relations uh, between us and our new uh, partners in the Gulf will become the shiny example of, uh, of the tangible things that we can and should deliver to our people. Last question, uh, Alonu Spies, Director General of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, is a little personal. You served with many ministers uh, diplomats, I think you're in the ministry for more than 30 years or close to 30 years. And suddenly you are the general manager under a minister that is coming from the army. The last uh, thing that uh, Minister Gabi Ashkenazi was, uh, was commanding was the IDF. He's a general. How does he cope with this? And how do you see this, uh, this process of uh, taking a soldier and making uh, out of him a diplomat? Well, um, I had the honor and the privilege of serving under uh, a long list of, uh, of Israeli foreign minister and, and statesmen. And I would say that Foreign Minister Ashkenazi brings with him uh, to the uh, main chair of Israeli foreign policy as the foreign minister of Israel, qualities uh, that are shown already in the way uh, we do things and in the things we do. This is really a lot about political courage and, and um, unique capabilities of, of leadership. 
You know, I, I still remember the, the first speech that the minister gave in the, when, the, the day he entered the ministry. And he said, you know, I, I, have, um, I have three priorities, top priorities. It's the U.S., it's Europe, and it's the Middle East. And I know that you need the resources, and I also know that you need to do things differently. And on all of these things, on, on the core issues that uh, the foreign ministry is dealing with, on the way we deal with these things, on, on, the, um, on the set of resources that are allocated to, uh, to, the Israeli, to Israeli diplomacy, on the scope of things through which we can influence. And at the end of the day, all of us, we've entered this profession in order to influence reality, to shape reality. On all of these things, you, not, you do not only see the fingerprints of the foreign minister, I think you see in the most vivid way and it's also reflected in the morale of the, uh, of the ministry. You see in, in each one of these things, in each one of these pillars or venues or fields or layers, you see not only the fingerprints of the, of the foreign minister, I think you see the leadership of the foreign minister. And I, I have to say on a personal note that, uh, that I'm very proud to be the uh, director general of uh, Minister Ashkenazi. And uh, this week you will be a, a, a member of an, an Israeli a, a group of a very senior administration Israelis that are going to sign all the agreements in Manama, the capital of Bahrain. So I wish you a good luck in this mission. Uh, Ambassador Alonus, this was a fascinating uh, podcast here in Al Monitor. We will now take a short break and come back with some final thoughts. And thank you again. Shalom Alon. Thank you, Ben. And uh, thank you very much, El Monitor, for, uh, for having me. I, uh, I wish a great week for your uh, uh, listeners and audience. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something and you will never be bored because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Thank you for staying with us. Ambassador Alon Ushpiz, the Director General of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, sounded full of enthusiasm and optimism on his way to sign the new treaties with Bahrain. He emphasizes that uh, the fruits we enjoy now were planted decades ago and nurtured over 20 or 25 years of secret meetings and dealings. The process, he says, is irreversible and here to stay. Ambassador Ushpiz said it could not happen in this timing without the leadership and deep involvement of the American administration. But on the other hand, he says 
it is not depending on the result of the November 3rd election in the United States. I hope you enjoyed it and we will see you here in On Israel in Al Monitor next week. This is Ben Kaspi from Tel Aviv. Take care. Goodbye.